and welcome back to the Research VR Podcast, everyone. The podcast behind the science and design of virtual reality. I'm your host, Oswald Abanian, and with me today is special guest, Zach Kinsner, uh, the founder and CEO of Aesthetic Interactive. And he's the person that has been working on EXA uh, Infinite Instrument, which is an awesome uh, VR music tool. Hi, Zach. Hey, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. And with us today is our co-host, beaming in from Germany, Peter Lekoff. Yes, hello. Today I'm even joining from a Vive Pro, so I'm seeing everything sharper than usual. Nice. So this has been a conversation that I've been trying to have, again, on the realm of like VR design and things that I've been really into for quite some time. Zach's work has been probably one of the most like, um, one of the earliest forms of VR design that I, I had been inspired by. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation. And I think there's a lot that we can dive into here. Um, so Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and kind of how you ended up into VR. Sure. Well, uh, I've been working as a, a contractor consultant for about the last uh, 11 or 12 years. Just started working with that right out of college. Um, I've always been good at bringing the um, the arts and creativity and design side into into development, taking you know someone's <clears throat> uh, designer's mock-up and making it real and making it feel good. Um, so I worked with all kinds of different technologies along the way. Um, in about, I think, late 2014, I started working with Leap Motion Hands, um, 3D inputs, and uh, shortly after that, VR. And I really felt like that was that was a great, a good space for me to be in. It, it clicked with me. Right. You were using the Leap Motion before you had it on a VR headset. Yeah, yeah. So I had um, uh, Leap Motion reached out to me and asked if I would make one of my uh, iPhone games into a uh, Leap Motion controlled game. So it was like a a three D Tetris a three D Tetris style game called uh, Fragmental Three D. Um, and so that actually I, I learned a lot about that project about what does and doesn't work with with hands and uh, you know three D inputs. And you know uh, what people understand, what they don't, what's easy to learn, what's not. Um, so that kind of kicked off my whole um, theory of how how design should work and how interaction should work in VR. And how was it to develop for the Leap Motion um, back then, when still the SDK wasn't that developed, and overall the whole community didn't form yet? It was it was good uh, early on. It uh, you know it took a lot of processing power, so the the game couldn't really do a whole lot. This and this was well before Orion, so they were still you know working out kinks and getting the the gestures to work. And I did a lot of uh, telling people like you know look into a, a a blank area, don't look towards your screens or turn the lights off, and you know, all these different or take your ring off or your watch off, you know, all mm. these things to kind of <laughs> kind of like help make uh, help make the the hands work better. Um, and they've they've improved so much um, since then. Um, so uh, we went through all kinds of of uh, trial and error on the on the 3D Tetris uh, Fragmental app, but um, ended up just reaching out, grabbing the pieces, pulling them around, and kind of throwing them down. And if you didn't throw them down in time, they would, they would fall down. Maybe another question. Why did you actually took this opportunity? Because I imagine back then the user base was pretty small for Leap Motion, And to be honest, even though we had them multiple times in the podcast and the technology is great, it's still not everyday device for a lot of people. So... Was it just an R&D project or did you actually hope for this um, port of your game to actually bring an in income? 
uh, well, I mean, that's always a, a hope that it'll bring an income, but um, <laughs> I, I knew that I knew that it was very early on. Um, it just it really seemed like something that I was interested in and learning about and creating. And um, I'd always uh, I'd worked with 3D and uh, 3D games in the past. Uh, so this was sort of a natural step into into 3D input, like getting in there. And, and like we said, this was just a little bit before um, VR. So this was still leap motion sits on your desk and points upward and your hands kind of float. Um, which, which made it more difficult for playing because then you've got to map your hand space to the flat 2d space of your screen and mm. makes it more difficult. Um, but yeah, this is, it was just, uh, it was a area that I wanted to learn about and pursue. Um, and, and that's been a, I mean, a recurring thing in all of my, my entire career. Like I, I don't stay with just one technology, you Start with start with Flash, learn HTML5, learn backend, learn database, learn you know graph database, all these things. So um, it's sort of a, a next step in that progression. Cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize you were also an iOS uh, developer before, and you had been making uh, iOS games. And yeah, we just pulled up the video here, um, looking at what Fragmental 3D looked like. Oh yeah, is, old video. Uh, basically, the, the way the game works, it seems like you can you're dragging around on the screen to to rotate the camera around a a, a rectangular um is that a prism Rectan- no it's not a that's not a triangle uh, just, just a rectangle a, just a three D grid yeah three mm-hmm. D grid right a three D grid it's a bunch of different and, uh, and environments have, yeah hmm and the three D blocks are or the Tetris blocks are coming down and uh, you're essentially kind of uh, choosing where in this 3D rectangle they're going to be coming down. Um, it's a pretty game. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. You can you move them, you move them, you rotate them, and uh, this was uh, what's the date say 2008? Maybe I can't see it from here. That was yes, that's in 2011. At least the video was. Published. Oh, the video, video. Uh, yeah, so that mm. sounds maybe 2010 was when it came out. So the game seemed to work pretty nice on iPhone, and you ported it to Leap Motion. Would you say that today you could um, port the game this maybe is, also this to is an... the Leap Motion version? Oh, this is a Leap Motion version. And could something similar work on an Oculus Go, where you don't have that much degrees of freedom? Or would you say that it necessarily requires this um, ability to grasp mm. and feel for this game to be fun? Oh, so I uh, so that well, that's an important question: is is, is the game fun? And uh, for a lot of people, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of you know <laughs> mental spatial thinking uh uh to get it right um this i i did make a, a vr demo of this i'm not sure if it's online right now uh but it didn't actually use yeah. any positional tracking uh you you would just uh you you would grab in the air and drag yourself around just pivot around the center um so i think it would work on a on a device that doesn't have 6 degrees of freedom um, plus, like leap motion hands attached to the front of it. Wouldn't you need? I mean, the the even though the camera, the position where you're looking at this from isn't positionally tracked, but your hand is right, and because you have to grab something and push it forward or pull it back, um, would that work with a Go with a three dot controller? Maybe there's some. Maybe you can use the stick on the uh, or the thumb pad to kind of like push forward. But uh, I think it, I think it would work. But it wouldn't be that much fun. Yeah, it it might not be that it might not be that much fun. It's pretty tricky for people to learn how to do the uh, the the turning of the pieces. Um, in part because it has to snap into a grid, 
So you can mm. see like as it turns, it get, crosses a threshold and then it kind of quickly snaps into its next position. It's got a little wobble to it, which I thought felt pretty satisfying. But if if you're struggling to get the rotations right, then it's just that's just frustrating. Right. Well, let's let's move on from these videos because it's going to be harder for listeners to kind of reference it. And, and we will have these videos for people to listen to watch in the description. So in case you're listening to this. And you want you want to see what the videos look like? Uh, find yeah, we have the trailers and the videos uh, in the description, Peter. Um, so you, I guess you didn't stop with the leap motion experiments, right? You continued further. So how did your journey went on through this whole world of right. exciting new technologies? So I actually, it's a it's a good stepping stone because I, I took what I learned from the this fragmental three D project and just um, the frustrations of trying to teach people to do certain gestures or move this speed or rotate this way. And I tried to go hard the other direction. And that's when I started working on um, what was then called Hovercast and now it's called Hover UI Kit. Um, and that simplified everything down to you put a cursor on your fingertip and to make a selection for a button, you just get close to the button. It fills up with color. Once it's full, you hold it there for half a second or 200 milliseconds, whatever you set, and it selects it. So there you have really no learning curve if you get anywhere close to the button it starts filling up with color that sort of is a visual indicator to you that this is interactive and it's filling up as it get close so um yep you just uh, the whole the whole system is just based around this one simple interaction even for sliders checkboxes radio buttons all that stuff you just take your cursor which might be a fingertip or a thumb or your palm um or like tip of your vive controller uh yeah you just you just get close to the button and, and hover there for a second it makes a selection for you Right, and this is in the time where almost all the UIs were basically raycasted laser pointers that you're yep. pointing at 2D, you know, interfaces in VR. And I'm guessing the the one frustration that was a frustration that you were trying to, you know, solve is how do you make the UI more interactive or more native to the space? Mm -hmm. Yep, that and trying to trying to come up with something that worked well with the leap hands, where you don't necessarily have. Uh, an easy or reliable, like uh, discrete on or off or button pressed, button not pressed type of a, uh, an interaction. Um, it, it could be pretty, pretty uh, annoying to have to like pinch onto a button or, or grab onto a button. And those are kind of the main discrete on and off states you get with the hand. Um, people were working on, I don't know, maybe at this time when I was doing this, but a lot of like push in, push out physics based buttons and, for me, those those work, but they sort of uh, have the risk of you know, bumping them accidentally, or if you've got a lot of them in the space, it's difficult to single out just one sometimes. Um, so I was just trying to simplify it down to this this core hover interaction um, and try to build some different styles of interfaces. So like we're looking at the hover UI page. We this was a hover cast where you have an arc that extends um, beyond your fingertips when your palm is facing you. So you kind of flip your palm up sort of like a uh, like a cell phone, like you might with a, a, an iPhone. You flip your palm towards you, that's when the menu appears and this, this uh, arc-shaped menu um, as a hierarchy. You can dive in and come back out of that hierarchy to access things. Um, so that was, it, it, that's where it started. Visually, to visually describe it, it almost looks like um, they're extensions of your fingers that come out from your the palm of your hands and... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and kind of like that's you're touching like almost another knuckle or um, another section of yes. the finger that's mm -hmm. on your 
fingertips. And it looks very, very uh, useful and also very intuitional. And I would actually ask you the following question. When I look at what the HoloLens brings in terms of UI and other basically, you know, augmented reality devices and even a lot of VR experiences, they still are not in this level. And I look at what we right now see on the screen, on the menu you build, and I'm like thinking, okay, apparently there is a kit. Why no one is using it? Why no one is actually creating something that is so intuitive and so useful, but we still rely on this weird clicking on a HoloLens or in some VR games on this point with a laser pointer and select. Why is there not a bigger adoption for, you know, similar uh, menu concepts? Or I think I'm I think I'm just bad at marketing. <laughs> I, I spend I, I spend all I my time working on stuff. And I, but yeah, I mean, this I mean, has been also- this has been around since uh, I want to say like late 2014. Early 2015 was the first uh, hovercat was the first hovercast uh, instance, and since then it's um, it's grown into this whole kit where there's diff- there's panels you can use that are like you can attach them to the wall or something or have them follow your palm. But um, like there's a, there's see, there's a keyboard there, and so yes. um, it's expanded to a bunch of different things. And uh, like we'll probably talk about later with with Axa, I've got a um, a hierarchy style menu that fans uh, out and it expands into space uh instead of the uh the hover cast style where it kind of regenerates in the same space so i mean there's all kinds of things you can do with it i mean i'll also say this you know the leap back when you were making this i think leap motion was a lot more um uh what's the word saturated in the vr market where like it was very very it was very common for people to have a leap motion headset on their dk2s and then like i mean Mm -hmm. that's how i also got to try these out um and since then you know since the the touch controllers and the vive controllers have been come the default it's you know we've, we've we've just seen less projects using leap motion um but there is something to like yeah like why aren't augmented reality companies at least using these concepts or or learning from them and i think you can probably, you know, account that to just like, oh, they want to just reinvent the the whole wheel by themselves, um, mm-hmm. or, or perhaps they don't even know that this exists. But the first time I actually heard about this was through a video that um, that had been inspired by your work. Uh, it was Mike Alger. Uh, it was, this okay. was, I think, his master's thesis video. Um, he was kind of like made this whole VR design manifesto video. It's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. I think it's one of the if anyone is interested in vr design they need to watch that to kind of understand the basics of uh of of what was being thought of at the time and i think we've made some developments since then as well but uh he he references you uh, heavily throughout that video in terms of how he want how buttons should uh should feel and interact and um let's let's talk a little bit actually i love the the interaction of uh, perhaps going into you know deeper into the menu the way to go back is actually you just closing your left palm and, and yeah. it sucks. It almost like sucks you back a level of menu. I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and you can also, if you want to, you can uh, just click that button in the, that's in your palm with your other hand. Um, so that doesn't doesn't always work great because when you have your hands overlapping, uh, leap motion can. I mean, well, anything is going to struggle to to figure out what's going on when your hands are overlapping. But yeah, so you can you can push that button or uh, just close your close your hands into or left hand into a fist. To, to navigate back the metaphor works you're squeezing that button that's in your palm um, by closing your fist and and the button is getting pushed essentially yeah yep. and like you like you said earlier that was that was something that was important to me was to make it feel like an extension of your hand of your body i, I like that idea of of using vr to be 
creative, but at the, uh, like as a part of that feeling like you have some kind of superpowers, you know, you, you've got these things that you don't have in real life and you can, you can navigate this menu and it's just, it's a part of you and you, you control it and make things happen. What did you, did you find yourself like trying to pull metaphors from the real world at all, or, or perhaps even other inspirations from movies? Like I know movies are notorious for having like crazy UI that really makes no sense, mm. but just looks cool. Um, right. Yeah, do you, do, do you, or how did how did you come up with these concepts? Was it purely iterative and based off of things that you thought would would work well, and and you kind of expanded on those ideas? Uh, so I'm sure with with the early hovercast designs that there was uh, there has to be precedence for people using kind of hand based menus. Nothing comes immediately to mind, um, but I I think with the early work on the fragmental 3D. And then going into this, I sort of early on developed that idea that what you see in movies isn't what works in VR. Like you can't just minority report, wave your hand around. Like, how do you know if you're pushing forward or backward or like there's no trigger to start the motion or you don't know how fast or slow you're going or, or if you need to move in an arc or a straight line. Like these, these things are all possible. Uh, from a developer side, it's just really hard to teach a user how to do them and do them accurately and have the device reliably track exactly what they're doing. So that that's a sort of an extra layer of frustration is even if you are doing this gesture just right, if the device doesn't track you correctly, then you're going to get a, a, your failure rate is going to start to to build up. Um, Absolutely. So I kind of learned early on that I, w I wanted to, to stick with the most reliable uh, things that I could find um, reliable and and like you see here, <clears throat> like you see here with all the um, the the visual indicators happening, like I want it to be discoverable so that you don't. There's not a huge learning curve. You pretty instantly, as soon as you put your hand anywhere close to this menu, things start filling up with color. You know it's interactive. You, you kind of follow the cues that it gives you. So maybe in counterexample would be the movie uh, Johnny Mnemonic, where Keanu Reeves is putting on this weird virtual reality headset. Maybe you can open the video uh, quickly. Just Google on YouTube uh, Johnny Mnemonic VR. Uh, and the idea is Never that the guy, yeah, it's awesome. It's one of the first cyberpunk movies. And the guy is literally putting on the VR headset, those gloves, and he's literally grabbing things in VR. And while he's grabbing him, he's getting electrical shocks and shaking it, feeling it. You really... And you watch it, you can imagine he's like grabbing this thing and unfolding it and everything opens and flashes. And there's like always the crazy idea that I had about VR before I tried it before. So as a, a young um, student, I was like super inspired by it. But obviously, you know, VR seems to work uh, more in the direction that you have programmed. But yeah, I hope we will oh, see it. Oh, okay. Movie. I've seen the clips and screenshots yes. of this, but I've never ever seen the movie. Okay. Yeah, I hope there will be a, a yeah, we'll second link in the trailer as well. Yeah, it's an awesome movie to show how we imagined the VR world and the virtual world back then, and how it's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, here, here, he, he puts on the headset, <laughs> and you will see now the, the moment. Yes, he's grabbing with his hands, he's shooting with his fingers, and he has his hands on. He's grabbing the VR world and folding it. It's just crazy. Not going to happen that way. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it looks like a. Like it looks like early Vive. Yeah, like yes. the big headset he put on was looked like an early Vive. Another one looked like an early Rift. Um, it's funny because this is like pre Matrix Keanu yes. Reeves, and he also he had there was a shot of him like getting hooked up something to his brain. Mm -hmm. 
copying memories to his hard drive. <laughs> it's a good movie. Uh, it's a good inspiration how to not do VR. So apparently you choose the other path that is more intuitive. And where did you get inspirations then? Uh, inspirations. I, I just I just kept working at it, and figuring out what what felt good to me and what you know put family members or friends in there and see what makes sense to them and uh, especially with my work on exa in the past year and a half or so just um really encouraging and constantly asking for user feedback um you know what mm. what music making flows are you trying to achieve and what's working and what's not and um when you say when you user proposes a new feature or a new interaction or a new menu or something um then it becomes my my goal to say that's you know that's a good idea i like that but what is it that you're actually trying to solve i need to know what problem mm -hmm. it is that you're having you know so that i know is this solution the right way you know this solution might have some kind of conflict that i can see what are you trying to solve maybe there's you know two or three other ways we can we can make this better um so working backward from that can you quickly describe the application for people who haven't seen it or tried it out before sure so, so the app is called exa the infinite instrument um it's on steam uh it's it's been an early access just because i'm constantly working on it and uh, you know, making it better um it's a uh, a vr app for making music and designing your own instruments and recording uh, musical performances and doing live looping um as you're as you're playing and recording your um your loops that it also captures your motions while you're playing um so that when you're done you have a little robot guy who's who's following exactly what you just played and how you played it yep. so you can step away and he's there and you can stack these loops up and arrange them with um, a sequencer to to make entire songs and as they play you can see the virtual bands doing exactly what you just did and you know when the piano part comes up the piano player shows up the you know the the robot and starts playing um the drums guitar whatever you know any any instrument any sound that you want to make you can make in exa there's uh, musical shapes that i call ringers you can attach any sounds you want to them you can stretch them out draw them out of thin air um circles or squares or lines or triangles put them however you want to to build instruments so you might you might stack a bunch of squares up and and play and you know, strike straight through them and that becomes like a chord or you could uh, put put a series of line shaped ringers together and and, and strum them and that's like a guitar um it's really it's really um, up to you uh you can it's a it's a very much a, a musical sandbox you can do what you want and yeah. and make recordings um and create performances like performances that you can watch and and come back and edit after you're done and um uh you can share them with other people not not directly yet that's coming where you'd be able to share your performances with other people but if you sent them your your file uh you could load somebody else's up and walk through their performance and and say i'd rather see this um acoustic guitar sound like an electric guitar so you go and click on the or tap the the loop and go through the menu and change the sound or requantize it or shift it up or down an octave, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, that sounds yeah, so it's, empowering. A, it's a pretty well-developed, it's, it's quite a well-developed, like DAW, like a dig digital audio workstation. Um, at least the one, at least one that I've seen in VR and, and however it does, it tries to really break 
the the hard aspects of of DAWs where you really need to have like that like deep knowledge to approach it because I th- and this is a common theme that we keep coming back to with VR. I think uh, the intuitive hand controls end up making things doing things easier in VR, and so even playing instruments ends up becoming like oh, you just get to like bang your hand or bang bang the instrument that uh, mm-hmm. bang the uh, what do you call this the the like drumsticks that come out of your hands. Oh, what do you uh, just tools? the I just usually call those tools, yeah. Because there's <clears throat> there's tools, tools like mallets. There's tool that's like a violin bow. There's one that's a proximity tool where it gets louder as you get closer to the uh, to the ringer to the musical shape. Yeah, it's all uh, hand based, and you and you hit them into the ringers. And the, but the best thing about it is that like you know you have these metaphors of uh, piano, drums, uh, and, and instruments that we're pretty familiar with in terms of the layout, but. Um, if you've ever played a piano and or if you've played any instrument that there's there's this note, there's there's the reach, right? Like between uh, closer notes and then there's a, a, reach, a longer reach to a, a higher note. Um, and let's say it's hard to reach that or you don't remember exactly which note it is. The best thing about XS is like you can grab that note from the piano <laughs> and then next like, to, yeah. pull it, put it next to the other note. And then just like, okay, you know, I, I just need these three notes i need to play a chord and uh you put those grab those three notes put them next to each other and then you have one two three and you knock you're you know you're not going to uh hit a note that wasn't in the chord um it's that sort of like that that's the advantage i think that vr gives us is when you have spatial computing you have that space to put things next to each other you can (laughs) break through the barriers of how real instruments work um, and make it somewhat easier to do uh, to do repeated tasks, and I think yeah. I love that aspect of it. And I remember yeah. showing it to my dad, and he was like, "That is the coolest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> so yeah, it's like instead of the instead of the instrument dictating how it must be played, you have the opportunity to to manipulate the instrument to suit either your playing style or say you want to make a dance out of it. So you're chore- choreographing how you want to move or you have chords or all kinds of different things uh it's 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 possible it's it's up to you to reconfigure the instrument to to be shaped in a way that suits you um so you can you can design it for this for the song or for your style any of that and it's pretty empowering in a sense when i would imagine it so uh, I just have this weird memory of this german musician who has like all kind of instruments on his body and he's like twitching in a way and producing those sounds, mm-hmm. so you basically easy up that process. But uh, what you mentioned in the beginning, right? You basically program your own music, you um, or your music instruments. You play them, and then you see those robots, this band playing it. So, I mean, maybe having someone who is handicapped who cannot like stand up and have a guitar and play all the strings. Well, he reconfigures the guitar himself, and he's suddenly enabled to actually play this music uh, as much as he wants, and then actually sees this band performing. I can imagine it's like a pretty magic moment. For someone who you know, has been yeah. struggling with uh, music instruments or is actually not so skilled and doesn't have time for three years to actually, uh, you know, learn the guitar in the right way. He just, you know, moves them around. He likes the sounds. He's playing it. And then suddenly there is a melody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I forget the name of the group, but there was a group that had was just, um, they just posted on Twitter about that. They were working with uh, a group of disabled kids and they were trying out EXA in VR and like, um, no I think there's way. a picture, I think there's a picture of one of the kids, uh, in a wheelchair. And I think they had sort of moved the drums around. Uh, you can kind of see it in the picture, move the drums around to be in a, a place that suits him. 
It's amazing. Dude. It suits his, you know, yeah, suits his mobility. That. Yeah, that, I mean, I mean was, that really is the best element of spatial computing is the fact that it doesn't have to be in it. Like, there's no stands. There's no stands that for things to be on. It's they, you can put them in places that you need. And similarly, like people like the Oculus Go uh, to watch videos in it because they can lie down on, in their mm-hmm. bed. And with certain apps, I think with Netflix, you can pull the video up mm-hmm. to your ceiling. And so you can just be lying down, looking straight up and watching a video. You can't do that with your iPad unless you get a nope. stand, right? Or like there's there's <laughs> right. cool things that uh, that's that's. Is spatial computing a good term? What, what do you guys think? I don't know. I, I think spatial computing in a way describes actually something else, but it's fitting so way better for VR. I guess this bus term that is uh, recently in the news describes more the idea that whenever you are in a room at every position, you have calculation available to you. So in a way, not the fact that Alexa can hear you, but the fact that you can talk to Alexa and Alexa does a query for you no matter where you are is in a way this uh, spatial computing, ambient computing, however you call it. It's not a new concept, but with VR, Suddenly, I think the fact that you are enacted through the world, that your extended mind reaches out to it and interacts with it, and your embodiment drives the calculation power, in a sense, is like ambient computing, because you surround yourself by certain things. It doesn't have to be a musical instrument, right? In a way, it can be also code uh, signs that are being, being executed. So I could, in a way, become like a machine that has like all type of algorithms, and when there are some requests, I'm pushing this button or this button or this button, so I can, in a way, control the computer through my body movements and i guess that is spatial computing from the stance of virtual reality right whether it's music or code or queries that i execute i'm using my body uh, the same way as i forgot what the project was called but there was this lady who created this whole bodysuit that she was playing music with so the way she would move around and i think there's also this instrument oh, nice. where you actually move your hands around this instrument and the way you're changing the magnetic field to change the pitch and voice and this is just um, a way to sync with your body and actually execute things with your body and in a way yeah outside fitting definitely um one more thing uh, that i actually want to point out that you brought so uh, clearly hover ui was a big aspect of exa and and if you i I don't think you know if you hadn't developed hover ui exa would have taken like twice as long to build because it's like oh yeah at least Mm -hmm. (laughs) you build these instruments um, how you change the the notes, how you change, you know, you can go up and down in whole octaves, uh, how mm-hmm. you save, how the entire sequencing works, the, just literally every way, the, everything that's not playing the instruments is like built on top of Hover UI. Um, you, and this is something that we have, we have, like, we don't see enough people perhaps at this point talking about still is the keep the problem of like, you know, how do you name files or how do you name, uh, how do you yes. type in VR? Um, you had a, you have one of the, uh, a solution for that as well. You built a hover UI keyboard. Um, so t- t- actually look, walk us a, a little bit through it. Cause I think it's pretty, uh, you try to, you know, tackle some of the hard parts of, of VR. Talk, walk us a little bit through in terms of, uh, how did you approach keyboards? Um, what had you tried and what were some of the problems that you saw with VR keyboards and, um, how did you try to fix those? Okay. Um, well, so let's start. Big picture. So you had mentioned the use of the use of Hover VR or Hover UI Kit in Exa was was vital, and uh, the reason for that is I, I tend to sort of separate interactions onto uh, a spectrum or a continuum from the the most physical, like hands-on style, all the way to the other side where it's this. Um, uh, abstract sort of acting at a at a distance style 
uh, interactions. And, and I try to use both ends of that continuum with EXA. I, I try to save, um, for EXA and for anything else, I try to save the, the physical interactions for the, the main content. The physical interactions should be the ones that are, um, that are fun and engaging and sort of the reason why you're in the app. Um, so with EXA, the physical interactions are hitting the ringers, grabbing them, dragging them around, scaling them up, swapping the tools. Um, those are things that you can do. Um, you can do quickly, and they there's sort of the the point of the app is that you can do these things in space. Like for the menus, you don't need depth to to run a menu. And and for me, I kind of think that most of the time the flat pan the flat panel works better for those types of things than trying to hunt around in depth or having a, a drawer full of things that you've got to kind of push around or whatever to to reach and grab them. Um like, so I, I try to make that distinction enough in real life when you're oh, trying yeah. to yeah. through some shit. You know, like let's yeah, not try wanna, to have that I don't want a VR junk drawer. Yeah. No but right, right. So so that's that's sort of the the idea there is that if if it's if it's something that's um fun and engaging, it's the main content, then you want to use uh physical interactions hands on reach in there, touch it, move around it, that kind of thing. For the menus, um, the menus pop up when you need them. If you say you select a loop or you select a bunch of ringers, um, which is another interesting point, with the menus, it allows you to do multi-interactions. So I can, I can like grab in the air and, exit and swipe across the whole piano, and that selects all whatever 25 keys that are, that are there. And the one menu pops up, and now I can go and change the sound for all of those things, um, or go in and, and um, set an interval so that they all play in a major scale or a minor scale. Um, and that's only uh, a few clicks away. There's there's nothing to like hunt around for in the space to go find and then grab it and drag it and set it on top of the keyboard and and like manipulate this tool mm-hmm. to make these changes. It's just it pops up in your face when you ask for it make a selection you hit deselect and it goes away and you keep going um so it um it, it may be it may be a little less fun in some cases to do it that way but it's it's far more efficient and if you're just trying to like say you're trying to just change a sound on a piano or a guitar shapes instrument but you don't know exactly what you want um you could go and and grab a dozen different tapes for different samples or something, you know, some kind of metaphor, like a, a cassette tape or something and d- grab it and touch all the things you want to change and then try it and then go and grab another tape and set it on there and try it. Um, that might be fun the first couple times or, or it might be fun if you know exactly what you want. But if you're trying to like scan through a dozen different piano sounds or, or uh, I don't know, a hundred different snare drum sounds, like you can get these giant sample packs that have all these sounds that's just that's a lot of motion very inefficient to make that happen and by the time you, you just don't want to do it anymore um so with the menu you just tap the button or you can just hover on it and it'll uh, the way these menus are set up you just hover on the button and it makes the sound for you so you just listen to each one step 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 mm. step make, make there, a selection and move on there is this uh, fascinating um different approaches actually two of them regards keyboards and regards any uh, the interactions you just described. So I was on a talk about virtual keyboards on IEEE mm-hmm. and uh, the person there, I will link some in the show notes, 
actually talk for one and a half hours how they try different keyboards, how they try to move them down, up, basically projecting the hands, not projecting the hands, selecting autocorrection. And what I see here uh, on the GIF we are currently looking on, or GIF, um, is a very functional keyboard that GIF, GIF, <laughs> that I guess you did not necessarily, I don't want I'm, to open I'm it. a GIF too, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, you, you, I guess you didn't read many studies on <laughs> researchers and you didn't read much of, you know, the research, but you just basically followed the flow and you. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, no, I just built, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it just looks yeah, so intuitive so and I'm, I'm just is... wondering why, why is it, you know, for some developers like you, so, so not easy, but doable to create such intuitive looking keyboards and there are other researchers who just basically research it for years. So why is there such a, you know, do approach to VR? Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, so, I mean, this, I don't think this keyboard is the most efficient that you'll get in VR by far. I think, I think you could probably get some very uh, effective ones, fast ones, if you sort of uh, force the user to train a little bit, you know, like if you've got... True wiggle your fingers just the right way or something. Um, and part of that is just getting the tracking fidelity that you need to move quickly. Um, same thing with like trying to play piano with your fingers all spread out and hitting different keys. Uh, like you, you just can't do that right now in VR. Um, so for this keyboard, I mean, you've, you've got, you've got the, 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 uh, what do we call those? The, the proximity color that fills up, um, that mm -hmm. kind of gives you, gives you your spatial, uh, like where you are in space to help you to help guide you um it highlights with that white square which one is the closest to your finger so you know which one if you start if you push down that's the one that you get mm -hmm. um the the way that the um the timer works you i think right here you probably have maybe a, a quarter of a second um for the the timer that sort of the lighter gray flash that comes up that gives you a chance to uh, that gives you a chance to pull away if you're making a mistake so you like you see that you see the square. You see it start with fill, fill with color. If you don't want it, you have a you have a moment to pull away. Um, and in this in this particular gif, you can see that the the left hand goes right through the keyboard. Um, yes, but from which both is another sides. a bonus of that. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I didn't so that's notice that until today, actually. So that's a, that's a bonus of the hover timer is that you you can I mean here it's sort of in, it's meant to be intentional. Like look, I can I can play this from the backside, but. Practically, that means that you have some forgiveness when you're moving around. Um, if this keyboard's floating in space and you're kind of like turning to look at something and you start bumping the keys, that's no good. But if your hand just passes through it, uh, it, it ignores it. It doesn't. It's not long enough in one spot to stay it, to you know trigger that key. But it brings also another uh, bonus with it. So when you're typing on a real physical keyboard, you're always covering with your hands the keys. But when I imagine I'm looking in this augmented reality or VR keyboard and my hands are behind it, mm -hmm. can like way easier, you know, touch the buttons because I'm not blocking my visual pass with the hands, right? See, I've never seen that sure. such an interaction before where you actually touch a menu from behind it. From behind. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't block the visual, the visuals of the keyboard. You can... Like, especially, I think it makes sense for shift and caps, right? You're, you're, mm -hmm. um, you can just hold down the shift from behind. You don't have to twist your wrist around to, to match the keyboard in the front. Um, I think that's a really fascinating, uh, interaction. And that's actually, so the, the fact that menus are interactable two ways is an element that you use in Excel a lot with your instruments or the, the ringers for the instruments. Um, with a piano, with a guitar, we all know that you can strum down with a pick and strum up with a pick. And that can like, mm -hmm 
you know, uh, give you twice as many notes that you could rather than strumming the same way down. Um, you've never been able to do that with pianos up until, or drums even, up until I think in EXA, where you can literally strum through the piano key and then back up. Um, and that's, yeah. I think that whole motion is also why you, your logo is this like figure eight, is because you can go in this <laughs> flow of your finger, of your hands, and just like strum down, strum up, strum down, strum up. And it's like mm -hmm. this flow through the, the keyboard and the, the notes that you have. It's really something wonderful that, I, like, again, it takes full advantage of the fact that you're in, you're in VR, you're using spatial computing, and, and you can kind of make up your own rules. How did it yeah, feel for you? I, I, like, you're a musician yourself, right? So how was it for you to try it out first time? Did, did it resemble you of your musical instruments, or did you have to relearn everything? There's for sure a learning, um, a learning uh, what do you call it? A learning curve, but I think that's not a knock in, in any sense. Um, I really, I, I think the strumming aspect of it made a lot of sense to me, um, especially like I'm coming from like a cello, like playing cello, you also have the, the, the being able to, to stroke the bow both, um, to, to be able to play the bow both ways. And yeah, I think being able to even do that on drums, like up, down, up, down and going through like you know the same way you would be conducting with your hands and 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 being able to give people rhythm um you like that was a very that was like a really cool advantage that uh, i saw that you could have I, I admittedly i haven't spent like you know hundreds of hours in exa and, and i've been able to make like short little songs and 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 tidbits of things but um i think like the 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 ui like the fundamentals of the ui are, are, are there's a lot of like you know legs to to those ideas and and i'm excited to see you know where those ideas can go and, and who gets inspired by these ideas um is there maybe a way to connect the virtual world to real world so let's say i have robots who are sitting around real instruments and they have like very quick hands and can do everything and I'm, you know, I'm in the vice, I'm just programming my nice music in this app. And at some point, those robots start to actually play it in real life and do those quick movements. And I actually see how a real professional musician would have to do it. Or it's like something totally crazy. Hmm. Um, if I'm understanding correctly, so you mean like loading a, a pro musician's performance and watching it back? Yeah, yes. that's, uh, that's, it's not, uh, it's not built into the app yet. So that's one thing I want to add is like having Steam Workshop where you can upload your songs or your instrument groupings um, so that other people can pull them down into their scenes and, and start playing with them or watch them, manipulate them, learn from them. Um, but for sure, you can, you can watch, uh, watch the robots play to learn how that piece was performed. Like, like Oz was saying, with the drums or with any of the instruments, you can swoop in and out and down and through these things. So you might you might watch this pro musician or pro exa musician, I guess, where they're they're playing. They they downstroke through the bass drum, up through the hi hat, down through the snare, up through the hi hat, and then back down through the kick again. And so that forms this kind of two figure eight loop or just one figure eight loop, where boom, boom, and it's just this one fluid motion. It's not kind of the jerky recoil style drums that we're all used to watching it's sort of this fluid thing that's happening um and a lot of times that allows you to play faster like you can mm -hmm. um uh you can line the instruments up like you can it's gonna be kind of hard to describe it's like a in a, a a wheel shape where you've got north south east and west and then maybe northwest southwest 
like all so eight eight different ringers that are arranged in that sort of radial pattern and then you just move your move your tool in a circular motion through them and it plays like a arpeggio style or you can you can assign drum drum uh different drums to those notes and play a drum beat just by making a this uh, circular shape through the wheel are the controllers uh, precise enough and when we speak about controllers how difficult was it for you and still is to actually take care of all different VR input methods to be equally nice for your experience. Right. So right now it's mostly uh, the the Vive and the Oculus controllers. It, it, it works for me at least with the Windows MR controllers. Some some people have had issues with Windows MR. Um, I, I've tried to use um, Leap Motion hands in there, and I just I haven't spent enough time on that to make it uh, worthwhile to play with the hands um definitely feels good just to kind of like strum through things but then you've got to you got to figure out how you're going to do your locomotion and everything with the hands too and it gets it's tougher maybe we'll talk about the superman style uh locomotion in a minute um with the leap motion hands. yeah uh yeah so but the the controllers are definitely accurate enough and uh um the exa is actually doing something where it's it's predicting uh Ooh. maybe 30 or 40 milliseconds in advance um, where uh, where the controller is going to be and if it's going to pass through a ringer, and that gives me enough to, or that gives Exa enough time to take that event, send it off, and get it scheduled before the audio buffer kicks in and reads it. So um, amazing! You, you get zero you get zero latency when you're playing. You hit the thing and it happens when you expect it to happen. Um, mm. That that was a big deal for me. Like I it's just really a poor experience for me trying to like play drums and even if you have say 20 or 30 milliseconds lag like you just you can't keep time like that so i spend a lot of time oh, getting really. it so that there's just there's no there's no uh, latency and if, if there is some latency for some reason instead of delaying the note it just it crops off the front side of the note so if it's a snare you might get less of that snappy front sound and more of the tail um and in the rare in the rare times that that happens, it still kind of helps you because you don't get the full uh, the full intensity of the sound. So you you still know you can mentally know where it was meant to uh, start, where that note was meant right. to start. Um, you mentioned the the locomotion thing uh, method that you've been working on. I think that was probably the latest experiment that I've seen uh, from you. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Sure, sure. So um, I have this. Uh, force directed graph vr project for for um visualizing networks of nodes and edges between them um right now i'm i'm doing uh, a contract work with that i'm customizing it for a client um to have a bunch of features and one of them that they wanted was to be able to move around in the space up until now it was just a room scale you walk around it um but we wanted to use the leap motion hands to get around so you got to figure out a way to do that um, mm. so what's happening, what's happening here in this GIF is that it's using the X's, um, Ooh. slide locomotion and the slide. So there's two parts. The, the one part is the Superman gesture with the leap motion hands. The other part is the slide locomotion, um, that comes from Exa. The slide it's locomotion amazing, works, right? um, slide locomotion works basically by you trigger, uh, you start somehow, um, whether it's a button or in this case, the, the hand gesture. You trigger, and wherever you trigger to start this locomotion, that becomes your center point. As you move, so say you hold that button down, and as you move 
um, forward or backward, left to right, away from that center point, that defines your angle of or your direction of motion. And the further you move is uh, controls the speed. So if I want to go like forward really fast, right or yeah, jump, yeah, or exactly. Right so, yeah, so you you start the motion, you push away forward, and you go you go fast quickly, or you can kind of strafe left or right. Um, and also while you're doing that, if you tilt your controller like a door handle left or right, that controls your rotation. So you can do that. Um, more tilt is more rotational speed. So you can you can move and rotate at the same time, which is really great. Um, like when I'm working with Exa to make music videos, you can kind of smoothly pan around and um, kind of pretend like you're a drone, like like you do, Oz, um, yes. with the Whoa. drone camera. You can kind of you can kind of do that, but with your body. Um, but that's genius. You you, you move. You move, you move yourself vertically. So you probably could make this work vertically, but right now it's just uh, lateral movement and then you kind of go up and down if you want. Um, so, so that's the first part. The second part is the, the hands. Um, the hand gesture is basically when the hands are both out in front of you and the palms are faced, uh, palms are pointing downward and the thumbs are, or I guess the palms are close enough together, that triggers the center point of this locomotion. From there, you just you you keep your hands together. You push in or pull back, left or right, um, to do the to do the movement. And you you bank your hands, left or right, like a, like the wings of a plane, to do the rotations. And so, in the same way, you can you can move and rotate at the same time. You you put your hands together, push them forward, and bank your hands to the right, and you'll kind of fly forward and bank right, turn right at the same time. And so, in this GIF, you can see I like I start at this um, blue node. I fly in through the graph. I'm, I kind of rotate around through the center green one. Uh, I think I buzz by, yeah, that little blue one, spin around it. Um, the center point also uh, works as the axis of rotation. So wherever the center point is, that's where you'll spin. It's not about your head. It's about the, the center mm -hmm. of the, the locomotion. Um, so I felt like this worked pretty well. Um, since this GIF, I was I added another thing where it uh, it puts a big ring around your hands as they get closer together, so that you know um, you get some kind of visual that tells you you're almost there, you're almost there, and then it it closes in on a center dot. And once it once it does that, <clears throat> then you've triggered the then you've triggered the locomotion. Um, and if you if you break the gesture, like you tilt one hand way over or you, you separate your hands too far, then that center ring uh, kind of just flies out. So it kind of gives you a little cue that it's broken. Um, you're, mm -hmm. you're not in the gesture anymore. You've ended the gesture. And if you want to start again, oops, if you want to start again, you've got to bring your hands back together. Yeah, but I mean, that's genius because it should, from my understanding, prevent any motion sickness because you're literally moving with your hands and you're kind of doing this flight movement with your hands and that way your brain basically is getting tricked into that i'm moving around so it's actually pretty yeah, I think it helps. amazing yeah it helps yeah, and, and plus you have the con peripheral constriction the uh the tunnel the tunnel effect yep um yep. and and, and control over this laterally mm -hmm. yeah exactly and any and you have control over the speed so Whoa. if you don't want to if you don't want to rotate as fast as possible just don't bank your hands as much um, so it's sort of like, uh, well, it's not like riding a roller coaster or something where you, it's, it's, it's on a track and it's going to move however it moves. You're, you're in control of this. So it's like diving. If, if right? it's uncomfortable, just if you're uncomfortable, yeah, just go slower. Yeah. Um, so we're running a little bit short on time. Uh, in terms of EXA, are there things that, uh, that you want to talk about here that, that perhaps are coming out or what, what's, what's around the corner? 
uh, people should know a little bit about? Um, all right. Well, so recently, uh, in the past few months, we've, we've ha- I've had uh, three releases. One of them was Exa Remix, which is a tool that uh, lets you export the band, the virtual band, out of Exa and into any Unity app. Um, so we nice. took, uh, like, we've we've hung out a bunch in the museum of other realities. Mm-hmm. More, uh, uh, I worked with Colin and Robin to get um, one of the performances that I made out of Exa and into the museum, so that we can all watch it together which is which is really great um also since then we've got the uh the new sequencer tool which lets you uh there's already something kind of like a sequencer the sequencer is more powerful um you can schedule all the loops and when they start and when they stop and uh uh, you can build up it's much easier to build up larger more complicated songs like that and you can nest things and reuse the loops more than once Um, and then the latest release was um all about the sound samples. So Exa started with only sound fonts, which is a really powerful way to get sounds uh, with with rules and dynamics built in, um, but it's far easier to just use a WAV file. Um, so I kind of rebuilt some menus mm. and restructured things so that now we can use um, sound fonts or just, uh, I think it's WAV files or AIFF files or AUG files um, that you can just drop into the folder and Exa will find them. And so you can use like, any of your favorite uh, dubstep bass sounds or explosion sounds or what, whatever like vocal samples you want. Um, so those, that's where that X has been recently. I, I got so many things I want to do. It just takes a lot of time. Like mm-hmm. um, having multiplayer built in in some way would be, would be awesome. I want to have a new uh, menu system that kind of comes up on demand so you never have to move around to get things. Uh, mm-hmm. like a, a linear linear control box, like a cube where your position and rotation within there can map to other things like pitch or volume or distortion or any other effects, stuff like that. I want to have uh, triggers where, uh, I don't know if you remember the VR guitar project that I did. It was a precursor of uh, yes. Vexa. Um, yes. But that, at, the, at the left side of that, there was a, a chord selector. And that's one of the few things that, if from VR guitar that you still can't do in exercise, uh, you can't have like a, a grid say of, of ringers and then easily switch them from like a C major scale to an, an E minor scale. There's not a way to, not a way to do that without selecting them all and editing them. So what I want to do is have buttons where they're kind of programmed in the app to where when you hit the button, it sends an event to that grid and says, change these notes to be, these new notes and then you can switch back to C or switch to D or whatever you want. Um, so that'll, that'll open up a bunch of new possibilities for instead of building up a piano, that's got a dozen different stacks of chords. You can just make one stack of chords and then with your left hand switch, switch, which notes that that chord is playing. So like one, one instrument shape, um, that can switch up dynamically whenever you want it. Right. Someone give money to this man so that he can hire a team of designers and engineers <laughs> yeah, and build more that's of these future. things. So cool. Or yeah, acquire that's future him of music, give him right? more money. <laughs> Microsoft, uh, no, Magic Leap, listen to us. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> Magic Leap, Meta, Microsoft, Google, and Apple should be <laughs> should be knocking, uh, hopefully. Um, and Zach, how can people... And uh, sure, uh, you want to throw them in there, <laughs> Zach. Uh, how can people find you and uh, and find out more about all, all your work? Um, so I guess the best place is probably Twitter, and that's at uh, Zach Kinsner, Z A C H K I N S T N E R, and then Exa is at Exa Music VR. <clears throat> um, 
Cool. That's where I that's where I post most of the updates. I've got um, videos that I always post to my aesthetic interactive page on YouTube, and uh, all the exa all the exa updates and <clears throat> discussion boards and everything is all on Steam. Awesome. You Amazing. have awesome. Uh, you you have great um, update videos that you put on your YouTube channel. Big fan of those. So um, he's probably yeah. Thanks. You've been like one of the most consistent like develop like updating your app developers um so 100 people should should uh download exa and, and try it out yeah let's let's, let's get um, more than like 200 views on the next one yeah we need to maybe <laughs> change our title music or rebuild our title music in your app right that would be super oh, sweet. that would be awesome um thank you all for listening again uh if you want to find us at um with twitter we are at research vr cast uh find us on patreon as well, if you want to help support this uh, this podcast for us to keep the lights on and to keep this going, it's recent um, two years. It is, that's right. And um, what else? And thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye.